Hallelujah. I'm grateful for this opportunity to, to be with you this weekend. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, you know, when I got the invitation, I was like, man, I, that's when I glanced back to see how much, when was the last time. And it looked like we blinked and years just kind of went. We thank God that he brought us through to this side of, our, um, of the experience that the globe went through from 2020 to 21 into 2022. I'm trusting that, um, that the Lord's anointing and his assignment for your life is still alive and well. Um, most of the pastors that I've spoken to post-COVID uh, say that I, I see two different churches. And some even said it feels like it's a replanting. It's almost like we're starting from scratch somewhat. Um, and, and, but what I've been noticing around is that there's some gifts that the Lord has placed within his house that I pray will gain expression. Uh, some individuals that were comfortable sitting back, that the Lord is calling you to a place of discomfort, uh, to get plugged in and to, you know, to, to avail yourself more to the work of the Lord. At the end of it all, the only thing that is going to matter is, you know, is what, what we've done that is kingdom related. It's the only real work that matters. I don't care what it is, if it's coming to help out at the church, if it's looking after the little ones, you know, at a one on Friday, um, if, it, if, if it's sometimes just showing up and worshiping and praying with the other saints so that somebody else can be encouraged. The only thing that's going to matter at the end of it all is the investment that we've made toward eternity. Amen. That's if there's anything I learned over the last few years is, Felix, you know, make sure that you're doing the things that matter. Pastor Fini, thank you for the invitation. And um, I've, I've been wonderfully hosted uh, by Danny and Asha and Jalen and, and Karen. Just, a, a, you know, wonderful, wonderful. I just, I'm blessed to be here. I had breakfast with someone and lunch somewhere else. It's been amazing. God's been good. My little conversation with you tonight is on very familiar territory. Very, very familiar territory. Nothing, you know, out of this world profound. But I believe that there's a reason why we're having this weekend now. I believe there's a reason why it's happening now. There's some things that the Lord is calling out. And I want to begin um, in the book of Proverbs chapter, chapter 18. There's an observation that Solomon made. And he captured in the writing of this book of wisdom. I believe that, but I believe this observation is older than him. Way older than Solomon. He just articulated it. So here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 18 and in verse 16. He says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. It's, 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 it applies to the sisters as well. Amen. An individual's gift makes room for that individual and brings them into what you might consider elevated places. Another portion says, observe a man who is good at his work. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before insignificant people. But this particular thing, a man's gift, um, makes room for him. There's something powerful about this because, you know, back in the day when I, was, when I was a child growing up and I heard this preached, it was that, you know, whatever is the natural gift that God, God has given you, eventually it will make room for you and it will bring you into a greater, uh, you know, place of effectiveness. When you look at the words, however, in the way that Solomon captured them, when he says a man's gift, it is that which an individual gives. It's not your natural gifting if you keep it to yourself. It's whatever you give as a gift has a tendency to go before you and make room for you and, and, and bring you into greater and wider audiences. And there's a reason why. 
this is an important thing to look at right now. I was just dealing with a conversation on leadership earlier on in the first session. No matter what it is that you have, no matter what it is that you can do, if you do not offer it, if you, not, if you do not give it, it has no effect in the natural realm. You could, you could have the greatest calling. Amen. Listen to me. You could have the greatest assignment on this earth. And for whatever reason, choose to withhold from giving it. Because whenever you extend yourself to give that which has been given you, you meet challenges along the way. It's not always comfortable and it's not always well received. But when Solomon made this observation, he just observed that I, have a, I see the power of a gift in that it tends to make room for the giver and then tends to bring them before great individuals. When you go to the book of Acts, chapter 3, I love the conversation that happened at the gate called Beautiful. Because Peter and John were going in for the hour of prayer. And there was the entering into the temple grounds. There was a man that was lame at his, you know, at his feet that was at the gate called Beautiful. You know the conversation that it went. The man looked at Peter and John and said, Sir, can, can, can you give me some alms? Meaning, can, can I have a little bit of, do you have any quarter on you? Can, I, can, can you help me with money? And in that moment, whether or not there was any cash, but here's what Peter says though. He says, silver and gold I don't have. But I do have something, and this is what's important. He says, silver and gold have I none, but he says, but such as I have, give I. But such as I have, give I. If you look at the story of the disciples post-Jesus, that was a turning point in the entire ministry of the ones that had been left behind. Because persecution came, but with it, their fame and renown came. Now notice this. They had been going there consistently. I believe that man may have been put at that. For years he may have gone through and, and waited there. But there was a season of withholding. Maybe it's because they didn't know what they had. But what happened was this day. There came a day when that which they had received, they offered. What they had received in the encounter with the Holy Spirit, it had happened when this man wasn't there. But this day, Peter and John approached this man and said, listen, silver and gold I don't have, but son, what I do have, what I do have, I give. What I do have, give I unto thee. Such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you guys know, the men walked, they got persecution, but they got renown, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ began to spread like a wildfire. Again, in this instance, what happened was this, is that it's not the natural anointing that was in Peter and John, in and of itself, it was the fact that they offered it to a place it was needed. Such as I have give I. So when the Bible speaks of a man's gift, we'll make room for him. I begin to look right through the read of scripture. And the one thing that I see is this. My observation has been this, Pastor Finio. I've seen some incredibly um, gifted people that never offer their gift beyond what was Absolutely convenient and absolutely comfortable for them. And I've seen sometimes people that appear to be of lesser gift that are very generous with that which they have. And in offering that which they have, I've seen them accelerated into tremendous influence. Only on a simple concept. The concept was real simple. It wasn't that they were somehow better gifted. No, it was there was something within their heart that was part of a certain spirit that is found in the line of Abraham. 
In the Hebrew, there's a word that they call chesed. Sometimes spelled C-H-E-S-E-D. It's sometimes translated as loving kindness. But when you begin to unpack chesed, or this, this tendency of chesed, it is a, an attitude that, that really abandons it, itself toward generosity. It makes itself available toward generosity in a way that is deemed as loving kindness. But notice this, when I'm talking about generosity, it's not about things. It's not about money. It's not about things. It's a generous heart and spirit that whatever it is that you do have, you bring as a gift to bless another. So for example, when, when you see the spirit of Chesed in the time of Abraham, Abraham is with... First, First of all, the Lord sends him and says, I'm sending you to the land of Canaan. And Abraham had a nephew called Lot. And he says, come along with me, Moni. Go with me, son. Come with me. It was an overflow of a nature that was cultivated in the bosom of Abraham that thought about more than himself. Now listen, you all, and I've heard it even preached, don't bring Lot with you because you know he might bring... To no, you could... Abraham, when you look at his life, there was no other choice for the kind of man he was. If there was a need within the family, he was going to extend himself in what we call chesed or loving kindness. He took his nephew with him. He says, you're going with me. Notice this. Along the way, you, got, you, you know the story. They begin to be blessed. And when they begin to be blessed, they begin to be so abundantly blessed that there's friction between Abraham and Lot. What does Abraham do? That part of his nature that is tilted toward giving, tilted toward blessing, tilted toward what? Extending himself as a gift. He looks at his nephew and he says, son, he says, yeah, listen, we've got so many things and, and, and it's causing friction amongst our guys. Here's what I, I propose. Why don't we split up? You pick wherever it is that you want to go. I'll give you first choice. What is that? It was a tendency that was found in the heart of Abraham. And it's a tradition that he taught his children that always placed them ahead of anybody. You couldn't compete with Abraham. It's loving kindness. It's an act of generosity. Son, pick first. Lot looked and he said, oh my goodness, okay, there's wasteland in Canaan, but I see the cities of the plain that look green near Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, I'll go over there. Abraham says, go ahead. Small little thing. But it was all part of, the Lord was revealing to us what was found within the spirit of Abraham. Because a lot of people want the blessing of Abraham without actually finding what was this man like that moved heaven so much. So we see this with Abraham, right? That there's this, what you might call loving kindness that extends itself in generosity. How are you going to tell Lot you take first dibs? You're out in the wilderness. What if he chooses the best place and you have the, you know, what, and you have the wasteland left? Abraham took that risk because somewhere within the construct of the man was this spirit of loving kindness that extends itself in the, as a gift. I believe there's a reason why God had his eye on Abraham. Because that spirit of chesed, which you call loving kindness, is spoken toward God many times. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy chesed is better than life. So now, but it's found in Abraham. This is before a Bible was written. This is before there was any requirement through a law or anything like that. It was a man's love for God that caused the abundance within the heart of God to become his portion. And everywhere he went, he extended himself in giving. How powerful is this spirit 
A man's gift will make room for him. Now, notice this. Abraham was like that. Not because he was trying to gain anything per se. It was just the way he was. Are we okay? When he blessed Lot, there appeared to be no real reward. Like, uncle, why would you do that? Oh, he's going to take advantage of you. Look, he's choosing best and look where It's okay. Why? It's the way we are. It was little bits like this that you found in the heart of Abraham that then take us to the book of Genesis chapter 18, if we can turn there. And you already know the story that I'm about to tell, but I want to, again, my encouragement is this. I don't care what you have. If you keep it to yourself, it means nothing. I don't care what it is. And, and here's the thing. Then I don't care how small you think what you have is. If you extend it and offer it as a gift, you don't know where it will take you. There are many people that are waiting for an opportune time to offer God something because sometimes they feel that what they have is not enough or, you know, there are other people more gifted than me or there are other people more capable than them. So they sit back and just let others take over. But if you get the heart of Chesed, what was in the heart of our father Abraham that he passed on to Isaac and passed on to Jacob and you'll find it in all the wives that they married. If you begin to allow that very same nature, here's what will happen. The little thing that you think is insignificant will leave your hand. And it will go before you and open doors you never knew needed to be opened. A man's gift makes room for him. Now we get to Genesis chapter 18. You see, now in Genesis chapter 18, what happens here? Abraham is having a very Abraham type day. He's just being himself. This is not the first time out. It's just this nature. And here's what it says. And then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. How did it happen? So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran to the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Now, what you'll find out about this, the Bible lets us know that this was the Lord who appeared to him. To Abraham, he was looking down one time. He looks up and he saw three men. In the heat of the day, he's outside by the tent door because it's so hot. The natural impulse, what I call the Abrahamic impulse, was not what can they give me. The Abrahamic impulse immediately, so, it's, it's so hot. What are they doing out in the sun? He felt compelled to approach them. Now we have the blessing of knowing that it was God and his entourage. For Abraham, it was just three guys. Just three men. But what? The heart and the spirit of that was within the Abraham extended itself as a gift to strangers. In fact, this is the reference that is made in, in, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 when it says what? Be careful how you treat strangers for what? Or rather, be, you know, be careful how you entertain, or rather, how you treat strangers for others have entertained angels unaware. What it is is this, Abraham just saw three men, it's in the desert. The natural inclination that he had trained his heart is that I don't, I, I may not have the fanciest of things, but what I have, I'm going to share with you. If there's a need, whatever I can do, I may not have the best, my brother, if there's someone that can have better things than me, but if there's a need in your life, this little that I have 
we can sit down and have a meal together on this. That was the heart of Abraham. He looked at three men walking. It's in the heat of the day. It's the natural thing that, where are they going? Where can they, you know, why don't they rest a little? He goes to them. The Bible lets you know the words that are chosen there. What are the words that are chosen? There was a man standing, and when he saw them, he ran to the tent door. Now, when you look at that, and you wonder, why is the writer, why is Moses writing Genesis, capturing the haste with which Abraham ran? He ran to him. He bowed down. How old is Abraham at this time? Does anybody know? No. No. 99. This was a year before Isaac. He's 99 years old. What does this Apachon do? He sees strangers. He goes running. Like, why, why are you rushing? It's to try and reveal to you. If you're going to covet the man for what God did through him, know what was in his heart that God was linked to. There was something about the man that moved God. So these little snippets are, are, are captured in scripture. So you look beyond the man to the heart. It says he made haste. He ran to them. He says, please, please, he bowed down before them. You know, if I found favor, he says, don't, don't pass by my house. Come on in and, and refresh yourselves. Okay, fine, we'll go in. What does he do again? Look at, look at the terms that the Bible uses, right? He says, please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves and I'll bring a morsel of bread that you will refresh your heart. After that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. They say, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly make three measures of bread. Again, notice what? Quickly make hurriedly. There appears to be a haste in his step. Meaning what? This is something that is coming from an overflow of this old man's heart. And he's doing this in a way that something in him is moved to generosity. To people he's never met before. He doesn't know who they are. They are strangers that, that, that have come by him. But he's taking it as an opportunity to be a blessing. And in that opportunity to be a blessing... It didn't start that day. He had been the same with his nephew. He had been the same everywhere he went. He had nurtured this quality. And he did it just one more day. Not knowing that this gift was about to make room for him. That this one time that he did this, it was going to be the difference maker. Because in this instant, he didn't know that these strangers in their entourage was the God of heaven himself. Standing in there, receiving the hospitality of this incredible man. Come into my house, sir. Eat. Now notice this. What he offered was not necessarily special. He didn't give him, look at this gold and I'm going to give you camels. No. It was just a meal. It was just come in and rest. It's hot out there. Come and refresh yourself. The sun is up too high. Why? Something within me was moved in compassion for you because of your thing. I, I may not have much, but what I have, I'm going to share with you. Come on in, sir. Now, the whole time the Lord is in there, quiet. Abraham runs. He serves them food, quiet. He stay, stays, watches them as they eat. And then after that, after when the Lord had eaten, that's when he said, where is Sarah? Oh, maybe he knows my wife. Where is Sarah? Sarah is in the kitchen. He says, I'm going to visit you again a year from now and tell her that when I come the next time, she will be with child. What is that? Now, notice this though. For me, what moves me concerning that is there are certain things that people, I know people have fasted for. There are certain things I know people have prayed for. I'm talking about 20 days, 21 days, 40 days, fasting and praying. 
it appears that some breakthroughs have not come. So I don't know how long Abraham and Sarah, how many all-night prayer meetings they'd attended for this breakthrough that they needed. What was the breakthrough? The breakthrough of the son they'd been waiting for. But what happens is this, is that the heart of the giver, meaning the heart of an individual that is not always looking for what he gets out of any scenario, but whenever they enter in a scenario, something in them says, what can I give? What can I give? What can I offer? One day he served not knowing that that act of service had generational impact of the highest order. He had just provoked a generational blessing that would outlive him by millennia. And all it took, was it 40 days of fasting and praying? No. Was it a thousand camels and all the gold? No. All it took was a meal to a group of individuals that needed it. That just were three men that came walking one day. He had no relation with them. They were total strangers. What the Lord is teaching us in this story, again, is the same thing. Don't wait for the right time to give. You continue to do that as your personal culture. You're going to intersect the realms of God unknowingly. Because you won't know the day he'll show up. You know that many churches have prayed for the Lord Jesus Christ. to Lord, come by here. Sing the song. Savior, while to others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Inviting the Lord to the house. The Lord usually shows up in disguise. There's a reason why in Matthew 25, some shall be genuinely confused. Because the Lord shall say, hey, I was hungry, you never fed me. I was thirsty, you never gave me a drink. I was in prison. And they shall, wait, 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 wait. When were you ever that? The, you have probably encountered God more times than you know. You've probably encountered angels more times than you know. But when you usually meet them, they don't look like angels. And when the Lord shows up, he really looks like God. He looks like a common individual. So that's why you train your heart toward chesed. You make that part of your culture. Because you don't know that day you intersect God. I want you to look at this in, in, from Abraham's perspective. No idea that 25 years of waiting, and 100 years of waiting really, but 25 years of a spoken promise of God was going to finally cross the line from just a promise into a fulfilled blessing. Because one day he just did what he normally did. He gave. I could tell you stories of common people. I think of the man. His name is Rene. Rene is considered like, but Rene, French-speaking Haitian gentleman. For a long period of time, he was one of the ten most sought-after business speakers. Corporate America were hiring him, five, six figures for simple little things. But here was here's what what Rene was. Rene used to be a bellboy in Boston at one of the hotels, one of the four seasons in Boston. He had come in here as an illegal immigrant, as a child. And he was just a bellboy, wearing the bellboy. Just, but what, what he used to do was the way he greeted people when they come in. He made sure that he literally, if he's greeting you, he looks at you, he wants to know your name, so the next time you'll come, what's your name, brother? Messi. Next time you say, hey, Messi, how are you, my brother? It was good to see. He engaged with individuals and just treated them that little bit of extra generosity that your company doesn't pay you for. So there were these gentlemen that he constantly saw. One was called Mark. Mr. Mark, how are you, sir? Welcome. And they just loved this guy. 
So Mark said, listen, what's your story? He said, what do you mean? He says, is this all you want in life? He says, no, but this is what I have. <laughs> this is, no, of course I've got bigger dreams, but this is where I'm at right now. So I love my job and I'm making the most of it. He says, listen, I'm going to help you, A, write a book, and number two, I'm going to bring you on the circuit when I speak to corporate America. I want you to teach them concerning the attitude that you have. And that's what moved Renee from being a bellboy into being one of the most sought after. For a time, he was one of the top ten most sought after business speakers in corporate America. That Mr. Mark that you are seeing is a gentleman called Mark Victor Hansen. Mark Victor Hansen is the, the author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. The, the, pretty much the best-selling non-fiction writings outside of the Bible. So what happened? So imagine, this man was just greeting. You can imagine the number of people he greeted that ignored him or may have even snarled that he may have ill-treated him. Never changed from chesed. Carried on just giving. Just give him. What was his gift? His gift was the fact that I can give a gift of joy by, by being nice to somebody who's not used to people being nice to them without asking for anything from them. I can give a person a gift that lets them know I don't need the best job to be the happiest person. Joy for me comes from another place. So the gift that he gave was this place where people come in and they feel that little bit of extra special. And within that, it ended up making room for him. It changed his life and the life of his family in that one little sweet moment like that. There are so many individuals that you can tell story upon story whose whole story resonates from this, that the gift that they give, a lot of the individuals are just like somebody else will do it. Why do I have to be the nice one? That's somebody else's job. You never know who you're encountering out there. You never know who you're encountering here. A man's gift will make room for him. That means what? Your gift is that which you actually do offer. It's not, I'm so gifted, but nobody knows because you, because you, no. It's that which you extend yourself in giving. That's what makes room for you. You know, Solomon also observed this in Ecclesiastes in the preacher when he says what? He says, cast your bread upon the waters. After many days, it will come back to you. Give a little one to here, two over there because you don't know what, meaning what? Be in a state of constant giving. One of those gifts will come back to you. One of it will return. You don't know which one. So you just continue to have a heart that gives. A heart that gives. When you see David, for example, we're talking about chesed, this thing, right? David gave himself to his sheep. How? When a lion came and took one of the lambs, what does David do? Ah, no, it's okay. Ah, hey. What am I going to do? Lion. No. He ran after the lion. What was he doing in running? He was giving of his gift. What? If it kills me, it kills me. I'm going to do my best to rescue you. Right? So he was giving it to animals that couldn't thank him. But heaven is watching. What is the Lord seeing? The Lord is seeing a man that he didn't have. He couldn't give them anything else other than what? Other than all I can offer you is what my ability is. I think I can rescue you. What if it kills you? So be it. Why? Because the good shepherd lays down his, his, his life for his sheep. So now notice this. That's number one. You get to first time in chapter 16 and the king has, has a problem. He has, you know, he has, an, an evil spirit is vexing him. So they are looking through all, all of Israel. What? Is there somebody that can come and, and play for the king? Now notice this. We need a person that is skillful. Who do they find? This, you see, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David was taking out Goliath, that wasn't the first time he had met Saul. This young man had been what? Had been that psalmist. But notice this. What was it? A gift he had mastered in private. 
he offered as a blessing to others. Any musician here will know the first time you ever picked an instrument, your, your, your fingers would not cooperate. Nothing you like, you could have given up like the rest of us. Some of us are not good because we just didn't put in the time, but you kept on putting in the time, kept on putting in the time, kept on putting in the time. For you, not for myself, no. Why? Because someday it might, I might be required to be a blessing at a certain level. So what does David do? A skill that he worked on in private with nobody else there. What was the reward of that? Why are you going the extra mile with that? What's the reward of it? The reward of it is that it's my nature that if I'm going to do something, I'm going all in. If I'm going to, if I'm going to give, it's going to be the best I can. So he practices. Now notice this. We need a skillful person. Yeah, I am, uncle. Skillful, yeah. Were you pushed? Nobody pushed me. Did your dad make you? No, they didn't make me. Then why did you do it? Because if I was going to serve with this someday, and for David, his first service was to the Lord. He's the sweet psalmist of Israel. He mastered that guitar to play to the Lord. Are we okay? I hope I'm not boring you. Notice this. They said, okay, come and play for the king. Played for the king. Now, all of a sudden, his family is getting elevation. They're not paying their way to a superior position. He's giving of himself. Now, the, his father tells him, son, your brothers are fight there, fighting with, with Saul, uh, in Saul's army. Go and take them some supplies. David went to the supplies to the front lines. First, chapter 17. When he gets there, he hears Goliath. What is Goliath doing? Goliath is, 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 is mocking the armies of the Lord. Then David could have said what? None of my business. None of my business. Why? I'm not a soldier. All, right. All the other soldiers, you guys are getting paid. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm good. But what does David do? I, I think I can solve this problem. So what? I'll just give of my service. At, what? At the risk of your life? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, I've already faced the lion and the bear. They couldn't kill me. And God told me, you know, I was going to be king. So I'm probably not going to. I will die someday. It's just not going to be today. So what does he do? He could have sat there. Now notice this. There was no preacher telling him, son. The, the, the men of God didn't tell him, listen, a day is going to come one day and a wonderful opportunity is going to come up. When that opportunity comes, say yes. Nobody told him that. What? He practiced it as a personal culture, as his way of intersecting the world, always making available what, is, what he has, such as I have, give I. So then one day it just coincided with his destiny. He says, so I think I can do something about this. He says, really? He says, well, go ahead. He takes a slingshot. And you know the story. And just like this, he's propelled. Now he begins to walk on the highway that was eventually going to lead him into the, into the promise that God had given him. But notice this. If you begin to look at the life of David, what you're constantly going to find is that the, the, the making of himself available, the giving of the gift, meaning that which was within his possession was not squandered by himself. He shared with the men that he was with. When he was out there, you know, even in the camp of the Philistines, when he was, it, it was just his nature, his generosity towards Saul. It was chesed, his loving kindness towards Saul. And constantly, that was the theme in the life of David until you get to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now he's a king. Now he's doing well. Now he's literally, you know, he's accomplished every great thing that he has. And then he begins to have a feeling. What? Well, I'm, I'm living well. Yeah. But the presence of God is in a tent. I'm living in a house of cedar. Okay? But the presence of the Lord is in a tent. So what do you want? I want to build God a house. What? 
I want to build God a house. He calls Nathan. Man of God, yeah. I was just thinking, yeah. I would love to build God a house. Okay? Nathan says, go ahead and do what is in your heart. But the Lord intercepted Nathan and says, no, 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 no. Tell my servant David, he, he's not going to build a house. He's a man of blood. He's a man of war. But the son that comes after him shall build this. When you guys read 2 Samuel chapter 7 to see what the Lord said, it was as if heaven was shocked by David's response. He says, ever since I took the children of Israel from Egypt, I never complained to them that I didn't have a house. I watched them build their houses in New Hyde Park in wherever, beautiful. I never complained that why have you not built me a house? Tell this son of Jesse, it is well that you had that in your heart. Now let me tell you, my boy, here's what I'm going to do. Now I am going to build you a house. And there will never fail to be a king from, from, on the throne of Israel from the loins. What is that? Heaven, the gift that David had brought him not to the audience of a man. It brought him to the very audience of God himself. But it wasn't the first day of his generosity. It was just one more day of a continuous life of offering such as he had. It started when he was a shepherd. And all he had was a skill to defend sheep. He offered that. Then all he had was a skill to play an instrument. He offered that. Then all he had was a skill to take down a giant and he offered that. And all he had was a skill to lead 400 broken guys and he gave that. And all he had was a willingness to be king of Judah. He gave that. And then all he had was a willingness to lead and be shepherd over Israel and he gave that. Then one more day he went a little too far. He offered to build God a house and he moved heaven. And the reason why when Solomon sinned, the Lord said to Solomon, yeah, you sinned and I should take the kingdom from you, but I won't because of your father, David. And when Rehoboam split the kingdom, the, you know, the, the, the Lord says, Rehoboam, you, you rebellious, I will take everything away from you, but I won't. Why? Because of your father, David. What happened? A man's gift made room for him and brought him before the greatest, the ancient of all days. One more day of generosity, game changer. Are we okay? But when you look at this bloodline, though, you wonder, of course, why? Because I told you about Abraham. I'm watching my time here. I told you about Abraham. But here's the thing, though. You go past Abraham, you get to Isaac. And then you get to Isaac. Now, here's Abraham. Abraham knows that, listen, I'm old. I'm not going to be around much longer. Isaac is still not married. So I want to, you know, you called Eliezer, his, his, his most trusted servant. He says, son, I want you to make sure that you go to our people to go and look for a wife for my son. Okay. I don't want her to marry the Canaanites here. Go to my, my people. I want you to go find a wife for her there. Should I take Isaac there? No, don't take my son there. No, because we say to the Lord, we are leaving. We are staying here now. This is where he's supposed to be. Why don't you go? But if the, what if the woman doesn't come with me? If she doesn't come with me, then you're free of your obligation. Uh, the, the vow is okay. It's okay. So put your hand under my thigh and promise me. Eliezer does that. So what does the man know? He knows the house he was raised in. Eliezer knows his master. He knows Abraham's heart. So what does he say? If any woman is going to come to be in this line, she has to have the heart of this house. She has to know what we are about. And the only way I can find her is this. I will show myself in need and see if she will extend herself in chesed. So he goes and he waits at a well with 10 camels. Each drink about 120 gallons of water. So uh, 10 camels. So he waits there. He sees a young lady coming, um, you, know, we, we, you know, in the heat of the day. And he says, you know, Mole, 
Um, can, can you get me a glass of water? When you read how the story plays out, you find the same words that were used, and I'm doing this for the sake of time. She ran, hurried toward him to give him the water. Then she said, oh, wait. Yeah. Um, now, this nobody asked. This is family tradition. This is just the house she was raised in. This is, the, this is what she had nurtured probably from the time she was a child. That if there's a need in front of you, instead of sitting there wondering who's going to take care of it, it might as well be you. So she says, sir, yeah, um, yeah, drink, drink up, uncle. And after you're done, I, I, I'll make sure that the camels are okay as well. Then the Bible says she runs. If you read the same thing as, a, as, as you know, her future grandfather-in-law, Abijan-in-law, she runs, she grabs water, she pours out for this. The minute she begins to do that, this man already knows the Lord has answered my prayer. I have found a person that is part of the pedigree. of the, She will fit into the house of Abraham. Why? This is the heart of this house. Now, she didn't offer the man wealth. She had none. Maybe she wasn't even particularly gifted at anything. But the girl could fetch water. So what she did, such as I have, give I. Such as I have, give I. Not knowing. Watch this, guys. You must understand. I don't know how long she had waited you know, for, for a husband. I don't know what family she considered herself to have married if she had stayed in that particular reason. But there was a bloodline that would birth the Christ. And so what does she do? She's about to enter into a generational shifting experience. And the price of entry was just a generous heart. After you've given, will you take the extra mile to give a little bit more? Was it asked of me? No. He asked me for a glass of water for him. Yeah. But I noticed the animals. Why? I was trained to notice the need. And what? He's older. I'm young. He's stronger. He's a man. But I'm, I'm younger. I can do this. How long does it take? It might take me an hour or two. Not knowing that that one extra day of chesed, that's called loving kindness. Why? Because it's not required. It's not demanded of you. It flows out of a heart that is just willing to give. That was now bringing her fully into the bloodline of Christ. I love this because I can take you even, you know, a little further away from Rebecca. And we can go to Ruth. More by this. Meaning what? She was a product of the incestual relationship between, you know, Lot and his daughters. A cursed people. A people that, were, you know, were doomed to destruction. But what does she do? Her mother, you know the story. You know, her, her mother-in-law, she's now a widow. She could have been selfish. She could have said, oh, no, you know, I've got to look out for me, you know. No, but her mother-in-law, she said, I'm sticking with you. And she says, daughter, what, I, I may have nothing to offer you. Where you go, mom, I will go. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Meaning what? I choose that I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life, even if I do it as a single person, even if I just do it as a widow. When, she, when they go back into, in, in, into, into Judea, she instantly says, Mom, stay at home. Why? I'll go and glean the fields. It was not an easy thing for a young girl to be out there with those working men. She could have been taken advantage. She risked everything. Why? Because my, you know, my, 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 mother, my mother-in-law, does she still have a son for you? No. We are, we are both widows. So why are you being so kind to her? It's all I've got to offer. I don't have money to give her. 
but I can serve. She goes and she gleans. You know the story. She ends up being married to Boaz, who is the father of Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. Why was David walking in kindness? It was their family culture. It had been in the bloodline. It was the thing that had passed on from generation to generation. So you want to be as blessed as they are. We'll learn their ways then. What were their ways? They were people that extended themselves in generosity and their gift opened doors that no, no prayer can do that. You cannot pray yourself into that type of breakthrough. You cannot fast yourself into that type of breakthrough. There is a gift that opens a way for you because you offered it. Are we okay? So my, my thing is this. There is no bell that is going to ring to let you know that now is the time for you to begin to serve. You know, now is the time for you to work the Lord. There's no bell. Guys, if you're waiting for a bell, you, you'll be waiting forever. It's just uh, the heart you begin to cultivate right now. It's something you begin to teach your children today. Today, teaching them the heart of generosity, teaching them the heart of service, knowing that it unlocks things, that heaven, there's certain gifts that the Lord only releases because he is provoked by that which you offer as a gift. For some of you, what, you, what I'm asking may just be, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been traveling around now, Pastor Fini, traveling full-time for almost 15, 16 years. And, and what the Lord has done is this. There were times I speak to adults, there's sometimes I speak to leaders, but the Lord had been sending to me to young people. Last year, I had several calls just for youth. I'm talking about the little guys. And I was like, Lord, I think I'm too old for this. And the Lord confronted me, really? But what my heart was this, was like, Lord, I remember when I was 23, 24, 25. Not as well, you know, not as well able to speak. I already shared my testimony to those that were there. And I always wondered, Father, is there somebody in this generation that is going to fall in love with the young people? Enough to serve and be a voice for them. Because sometimes they're too young, they're not going to be able to give you much except thank you, thank you. And I was wondering, but where are they? Where are the young people that will say, you know what, I want to be a voice for this generation. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to be wherever they are, where I can speak the word of God. And so I begin to wonder because there's a gap that I noticed. Even I'm talking within the Malayal culture. For those, I noticed that there was a gap in there of serving, a generational gap in serving. And I'm not talking from the adults. The adults love God. I'm talking about young people that are not investing in other young people anymore. Love the Lord, you know, maybe got married, got a couple of kids, and then I'm just doing me now. I actually believe that some of you have a preaching anointing you've never touched because you've never offered. And that the day you ever step into that, you're going to find out there was an anointing that was latent in you that was so powerful that could have extended your reach and your influence to the uttermost parts of the world. But if you don't give it, it can't open the door. There are preachers under this roof right now, Pastor Finn, that have never even shared a little, a little a, a Sunday school class. And there's a preaching anointing that is on you. Some of these things, the only way they ever get stirred up is when you offer as a gift. I'll do it. And it, it's never convenient. It never comes at a time when you're like, oh man, I'm ready for this now. Never comes at a time like that. 
Sometimes it's just required when it's not needed. But I'm praying that somebody can fall in love with the generation of the young enough to say, my goodness, man, the youth that we have in here, I, not just to come and facilitate them, I'm talking about being a speaker, using your voice, speaking in their life, you know, impacting them in a way that an anointing them, that, that, that they get hungry for God themselves. The only way it's going to work, and I'm almost done, I'm done. Five, eight o'clock, I, I, I quit. Is that the heart of a giver? What do you do with the gift that God has given you? Are you taking the wisdom that the Lord invested in you to the grave with you? What use is your wisdom in the grave? Ah, what use is your knowledge? All this. What use is it in the grave? There's somebody that needs it. I pray that your heart may be tilted toward the heart of David. David didn't wait until he had it all to give. He started with the little that he had. From looking after sheep, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that well. Oh, I, I don't have a sword, but I've got a sling. I know how to do that. I'll do that well. I've got a little hop. I know how to do that well. In, the, in that little accruement, one day he offered God something that so moved the heart of God, it literally protected his entire bloodline. All his children and children's children. When you read the story of the kings, you will find, particularly the kings of Judah, you'll find to almost 300 years, almost just before the Babylonian captivity, the Lord will be upset at this kid and he will say, you know, I would have destroyed you were it not for my servant, your father, David. What is that? David offered a gift to God that protected his entire bloodline because he gave all his life until one day he gave the gift that tipped the scales of heaven. I'm praying that that may be an inclination in your heart or at least that the desire exists. Let's all stand, please. Hallelujah. I want to pray for some people, uh, if you don't mind. How much time do I have? A few minutes? Yes. I want to pray for some people. If I, um, is our, our keyboard or worship team, if somebody just play in the background. Because for some of us, here's what happens. What I found out is that the Lord places within you something that's beautiful and that's powerful. But usually the enemy, when you tries to create some kind of an interference so that your gift never shines. So sometimes what he can do is just cause you to be extremely not the type of person that's going to put yourself out there. Some of you just say, you know, it's not my nature to do that. I'll, I'll just be a There are many background people that are shying away from a place that shouldn't be background. It's easy to hide in the background. Ah, no, you know me, brother, you know, I don't need to be in the front. Well, nobody does. So if you're there right now and you say, Felix, um, maybe your gift is hidden behind a wall of fear. Maybe you get intimidated. You get intimidated by being put out there. You get intimidated by, 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 by serving in a place that, that kind of puts you in front of individuals. So you, if, if there's anything of that nature and you want a breakthrough, I believe the Lord will release a breakthrough tonight. That there's something within your heart that if you only had the courage to step out and do it, God will do great things. But you second-guess yourself. You constantly talk yourself out of certain situations because you feel maybe afraid of criticism or just fear of other people's opinion. If that is you or anything of that nature, I want you to come up and pray for you. And I, I say this is an altar call, to put you in the, not to just put you in the spot, but to put you in the spot enough to walk out to say, I don't want to be robbed of my ability to give from anything of that nature. I want to let go of everything and say, Father, you know, Adi Anitha Deva, here I am. 
So if there's anybody out there, and I know you're already battling in your mind right now, looking around, thinking whether or not you should come up. But if that is you, that there's a gift that is hidden on the inside of you. And the only way it will get to be seen is if you break that wall of intimidation and fear. And you want to have a true breakthrough from that. I believe that the Lord will release. And that will cause that to be. Wherever you are, if you can come up for prayer. The floor is open. Any age, young and old. Come on up. Hallelujah. No more playing small, you guys. Come on. No more playing what's comfortable. Not if something on the inside of you could be a blessing to the rest of the body of Christ. It's time to step up. It's time to step up. I know it's asking a lot. I know that. I shared with the, with the group that I spoke in. Guys, I, the, most thi- the thing I could do the least is speak. I was petrified of, of holding a microphone and talking to people. Like, 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 like physically you will get sick. But if I had succumbed to that, I don't know what my life would have been. There came a day where you had to, I had to face that fear and come up and say, Father, I don't know how to do this, but nobody else is, so I, I will do and I'll mess up and you'll have to clean it up. And in that step, the Lord literally, something about what my life was supposed to be was hidden in the thing I feared the most. I'm praying for somebody that needs breakthrough and says, Father, I want to step beyond. And Father, there's been a wall of resistance from me becoming all, all that you, you, you want me to be. But Father, I'm asking for true freedom and I'm asking for breakthrough. The floor is still open. I feel there's still a few, one or two. Wherever you are, please don't, don't, don't hold back. Today is a special day. There's a reason why you came out tonight. There's a reason why we're having this conversation tonight. I did a leadership class in Providence, Rhode Island. There was a wonderful gentleman, Brazilian gentleman from there. And when I say he was bashful or shy, he was very withdrawn. And, and, I, and I remember we had a prayer such as this and felt that there was a pastoral call on his life. Laid hands, and to be honest with you, what he was struggling with was literally as something spiritual that was hindering him from being what God wanted him to be. So something broke that night. He has a beautiful church in Fall River right now. Him and his wife are some of the most beautiful pastors that you've ever seen. But for all his life, he was an elderly church. He was not young. But for all his life, that gift had been caged behind a wall of fear. Until the Lord broke that and he was able to serve. Wonderful pastor today of a wonderful thriving church. While you're here, let's just begin to pray. And I'm asking that the Lord will stir up a real anointing. A powerful, a powerful anointing. What I saw during praise and worship, and I think I may have said this other times before, I saw coming from this place for right now, but pouring into the four corners of the earth, levels of gifting from the house that were a multiplied blessing outside of the house. So I know present here tonight, there's ministry here tonight that is supposed to extend even at at a global level. That is here today, not coming tomorrow. I'm talking about tonight. So, we, so the first thing I'm trying to say is this, guys. A heart to serve is number one. As long as the heart is there, the ability comes after that. The heart of chesed, that loving kindness, makes you make yourself available. And when you make yourself available, I'm telling you, you will step out on the water and heaven will catch you.
Father, I thank you for your God of the breakthrough. Can you guys step, just take a step closer? Just one step closer. Those that are behind can come up. Father, I thank you that you're the God of the breakthrough. Father, any limiting spirit, anything that is trying to contain your people and keep them small. My God, I thank you that we're breaking every wall even right now. So that the gift of God that has been in hiding may come out. I'm calling preachers to come out. Psalmists to come out. Authors to come out. Songwriters to come out. Father, I'm, I'm asking right now, my God, for, for individuals that will serve, whether it's in business or in ministry right here in this house, that have been sitting in hiding. It's time for you to come out. Every spirit of intimidation that has tried to keep God's people small, in the name of Jesus who is Christ, by the power of his blood, I command you to back away from these people that the gift of God may come forth. Anybody whose vices or their own weakness has stood as a stumbling block before them, I thank you for victory, victory, victory in the name of Jesus. And Father, I'm asking that anybody that offers of their gift before you, may you multiply it, my Father, may you do wonders with it. Stir up even prophetic anointings and prophetic giftings. Ah. Stir up anointings, giftings, Father. Strengthen the hands of your people. Anointings, giftings, even in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that has stood in the way, broken. Don't second guess yourself. God is not second guessing you. You know you've got something valuable to give. So don't listen to the other voices. Oh, it is time, it is time, it is time. Sometimes the gift of God agitates. Unless you begin to give it, you just agitate. Just feel like, why am I not happy? Why do I feel frustrated? It's because the gift, when it's lying latent, that's what it does. So just give it expression. Make yourself available. Father, I thank you right now. Breakthrough, breakthrough. There is more to you than what has expressed so far. Let the Lord be all that he can be in and through you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The gift of God coming forth. The gift of God coming forth. But I thank you for breaking through, breaking through. Every limiting spirit, any limiting thoughts and mind, breakthrough, Father. Be all that God has called and anointed you to be. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. My God, I thank you for moving in a way that only you can. That's right. That's right. The Lord is working. You know you're called to great things. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Father, I thank you. Let the Lord take you as far as He wants to. Amen. As you submit, He will take you far. Nothing standing in the way of your purpose. Amen. And don't wait for things to say, Lord, I'm ready for this. No. Just make yourself available even right now. The Lord sees you. The Lord will work in and through you. I thank you for breakthrough. You're the God of the breakthrough for your children, Father. You're the God of the breakthrough for your children, my God. You're the God of the breakthrough for your children, my Father. Here I am. Father, I thank you for your son right now. I thank you that you are called to uncommon things. That's why common things are I 
service all for the glory of your name we release ministry that has been captivated or captured we break every limiting prison door and we say come on out Every spirit of containment that says this far and no more will break beyond that. In the name of Jesus Christ. That we will be known for our generosity. We will be known for our giving. Because such as we have, we give. Father, I pray for a season of breakthrough. For some individuals that have been meeting this, this wall of resistance to their call. I thank you, Father, that you are the Lord of the breakthrough. That you're causing them to break through and to break out. Wherever that is, that is felt contained, has come against this wall time and time again. The Lord says you're breaching the wall, you're getting on the other side. Even in the name of Jesus Christ, for the glory of the Lord. I pray for output 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 from this house as a gift to the body of Christ as a gift to ministries across the continents and the islands of the seas giving and pouring out I pray that our sons and daughters will prophesy that our young ones, you stir up a gift in them, Father, that they will prophesy. We have a prophetic generation of the, of the youth, of the young people in this house. We pray, stir up that gift, stir up that gift, stir up that gift, Father. And Father, right now, I thank you for increasing the gravitational pull of this ministry and this church. So you'll find people attracted to the house coming that you don't know how they even make their way. They will come as you prepare them to serve and to give. For some here that have been weary and tired, the Lord is restoring. This is a season of restoration. Your joy is coming back. Your purpose is coming back. Your fire is coming back. The Lord is restoring. He's rebuilding. Father, it's all that your name might be glorified through these your people glorify your name my father through these your children in the mighty mighty name of Jesus we pray 
Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.